Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, hope you're having a great Monday. Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazica has your roads this afternoon. Adam Roberts is producing the show. What a beautiful Monday outside. And the gang is back together. Yes. Welcome back. Good to be all back together. Yay. Uh, what are we tracking today? This is the three. At three on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, what's up first? Someone in town, the grandson of an iconic anti-apartheid activist in Milwaukee tonight, advocating for Palestinian liberation. Nikosi Mandela is the grandson of South Africa's first president, Nelson Mandela. He's in Milwaukee as part of a six-city tour, and he is speaking on behalf of the Palestinian liberation issue. His tour commemorates the 75th anniversary of the Nakaba, which is an Arabic word meaning catastrophe that refers to when the Palestinians were kicked out of their homeland in 1948. So he's here tonight. It's a free speech. It's at Turner Hall. It begins at 6.30. You do need to get tickets in advance. The easiest way to do that is to just Google Mandela Milwaukee, and the site will come up, and you can get tickets to that free event tonight. It's a chance to see someone who really is a person of the world. For sure, and it's his first visit to Wisconsin, so he'll be here 6.30 tonight at Turner Hall. That would be a very interesting conversation. What's next? As you drive past the Pabst Theater in downtown Milwaukee, you may notice a new marquee for the building. I love this. On the corner of Water and Wells, it's seven feet wide. It's 27 feet tall. It's a beautiful old-school sign that just says Pabst they're installing it today. It's expected to be done by the end of the day. It's inspired by a previous sign that was hung on the building from 1928 to 1976. This thing looks cool. I like more bright lights in our city. I do, too. I, I love this. And to revive that history, similar to the Riverside, when they did their renovation and improvement of the marquee on Wisconsin Avenue. And not only is this uh, kind of reviving this cool homage to the original Blade sign, 20th anniversary of the Pabst Theater Group. Yeah. It uh, matches one that went up to, at Turner Hall in 2019. Yeah. The Bradley Symphony Center in 2020 got their sign. This is really cool. And the Pabst Theater is the city's oldest theater. Been around since 1895. Wow. I love that history. And if you want to see it for yourself and maybe even sip a free beer, Wednesday, 4 o'clock, is the big unveiling. And the community is invited to come down, enjoy free beer. And you can even enter to win tickets to upcoming shows in the I Pabst like that. Theater. Yeah. Who doesn't like free beer? <laughs> All right. What's the third thing? A date has been announced for a major gathering of area food trucks this summer. Okay, so this is the deal. They're coming up with uh, new regulations on how to make sure that food trucks behave and that they're safe and that it's easy for people to access. There are new laws that are going into effect, and we are going to discuss all of that in great depth with one of our guys. Ashton Rotman is an ESPN Milwaukee employee who owns a food truck. And he's going to lead the discussion coming up right after Debbie helps get us home. He's got that inside track. But uh, if you want to find a whole bunch of food trucks at one spot, the Milwaukee Food Truck Fest, Henry Meyer Festival Park, July 22nd. There you go. Get it on your calendar. It is 313 at WTMJ. We're joined by our friend Ashton Rotman from ESPN Milwaukee, who also owns a food truck. How you doing, Ashton? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me. So what's the name of the food truck? What do you sell? Our food truck is Rot's Hots. Uh, we sell anything that's classic comfort foods, uh, hot dogs, burgers, polar sausage, uh, a gourmet grilled cheese. I may have invented that. Ooh. That's obviously why I like it. Tater tots instead of fries. All sorts of good stuff that makes you feel warm in the heart. 
Now, Ashton, as a newer teammate of yours, I learned through the grapevine that you're <laughs> a master baker. But you're busy here yes. at Good Karma Brands. Yes. So now to find out that you have a food <laughs> truck on top of it, what started that? So uh, my dad and I had, for years and years and years ago, we'd wanted to open up a restaurant that was burgers, hot dogs, kind of Chicago favorites. That was kind of how it started. That's one of the things that we connected as a family was food. My mom owned a bakery and cafe when I was younger, so I've always been around the restaurant business. Uh, my dad got pancreatic cancer, passed away, so what we decided to do was turn it into a pop-up kind of fundraiser, Raw Tots, and we decided to use that as a kind of a way to build awareness and research for pancreatic cancer, which is one of the ones that's very difficult to catch early, uh, and it's getting better. But after a while, I still wanted to do a restaurant and said, why don't we just do a food truck instead? So that dream kind of became a reality last year, and we're just moving on and on and, and uh, kind of trying to figure things out. That's wonderful. So you're getting all around Illinois, mm-hmm. southeastern Wisconsin, yep. right? I mean, the Rod Sods calendar is starting to fill up a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, weekend summers. And, and then, John, we all sit down in our, in our meeting. He says, hey, the, the, the food truck rules in Milwaukee are changing, and this ain't good. So we're like, well, we got to talk to Ashton about yeah. this. Like, he's got to be in the know more than anybody. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I had not heard about it until you guys had brought it up to me. So I'm reading about it. I'm trying to formulate an opinion. And I'm honestly, I was reading, and I was, I was intrigued, and I, I kind of like most of them. And part of the issue with food trucks, and this is Illinois and in Milwaukee County, Racine County, Waukesha County, that I'm finding is it's kind of the Wild West. Is that There are no regulations that encompass the entire state or entire counties. It's like this town might be doing it this way, that town might be doing it another way. The health and safety in Racine might be different than in Brookfield uh, or in Round Lake, Illinois, which is someplace. Like all it's, it's all different, so you have to get all these different permits and licensure, and you have to get things inspected, and it's great, and I'm glad they're being inspected and they're being thorough on it, but I would love Love some sort of universal system. So at least what I think what uh, Milwaukee County is trying to do is at least eliminate some of the millions of different types of paperwork that it feels like uh, get printed out and also filled out. So basically, it will now say there are two types of places food trucks can be. It will create two different sorts of zones. One would be a zone where a food truck like yours can be there in a space for no more than six hours in a 12-hour period and no food served after 1 a.m. The second zone would allow a certain number of food trucks on a block, and each food truck would have a permanent parking space. Like you said, sometimes you see these areas, and there might be like 20 food trucks. Mm -hmm. Then you see a random one on a corner somewhere. Do you like the idea that this would be strictly regulated? Who can be where and for how long? I do. I, I think there are bits and pieces of it that are actually positive. I do like the idea of having zones that you know you can go to, and this is the food truck park area, and obviously Zocalo, which is a local one that already has that kind of built into as a business. Uh, but to me, one of the ideas is the going out and just going out on the street for a lunch. Like we, this is not something we do quite yet for Rot's House, but you see taco trucks out there, you see burger trucks, other specific type of trucks that are out there, and they're just on streets trying to sell lunch. And I think one of the issues is you're not sure where you can go. You're not sure how long you can be out there. You're not sure if you have to get anything approved. And people joke about coming outside our studio. It's like, hey, Ashton, bring the food truck out one day. Right. I'd love to. I have no idea if I can or can't. Uh, it's You have to call. I have to get things approved. I have to pay f- uh, fees. And it's just kind of figuring out those little nuances of everything. And so I think some sort of structure is helpful. Do I think that exactly is the way that I would want it structured? No. I don't know if I like the idea of saying only a certain amount of food trucks can go here for a certain amount of time. Uh, that limits, obviously, the opportunities for other food trucks. And it's a small business. So that's something you want to, anything you can take advantage of as a small business, you want to be able to do that. So I do think this is a good start, uh, but I am kind of interested to see what the pushback will be from other food truck owners if there are just 
opposing views or ideas that get tossed around with it. See, and I wonder how much of this is sort of designed to protect brick and mortar, because you talked about brick and mortar, restaurant, we want to have this available, and you ultimately pivoted to food truck, which many are doing. Mm -hmm. The overhead's much less. It's a totally different game. Meanwhile, some restaurant owners are like, well, hey, wait a minute here now. The food truck is killing me. So how much of this is to sort of protect... Uh, the George Webbs of the world, a place that might be open 24 hours and things like that. I, I think it, it should help. That's one of the positives I'm looking at it, trying to look at it from both sides, because one of my dreams is still one day to open up a brick and mortar using the food truck as the launching point. And, but I think one of the ideas is if Milwaukee County and other counties that may follow suit within the state and with other states is if they can regulate, say, hey, um, there are these or open 24-7, they've been here for seniority, maybe what might be one way they do it. And I say, it's been here for a decade, we don't want to mess with their business, that would be that would just be not smart. They would might get upset, that's a whole other litigation that could come. So you can block off a zone for this mile, you can't go here, we want to be able to park, and we want to be able to see these brick and mortars that are already there. That's one thing they could do. So I, I totally understand any brick and mortar that might be upset by all the food trucks that are in the way, for, for lack of a better term. So I think the idea of building some sort of regulation that says, hey, these businesses are all here. This is already a busy food district. We want to get other food districts involved and create the kind of different things for these small business food trucks. Why don't we move them to a different area? That's where I like the zone. I think it's an interesting idea and concept. Um, I do think that then to puts more on these food trucks to be able to market themselves, which is, it's a business. You have to do that anyway. Right. We're talking with Ashton Rotman, of Rot's Hot's food <laughs> yeah. truck. Now you bring up the business model. Mm-hmm. Man, every weekend out with the food truck yep. and we're hearing that one of the regulations is you can't be somewhere longer than six hours. Yeah. What is the length of time that it's worth it for you to be out in a food truck on the weekend? So it, there are a couple of factors. Uh, one is prep time that has to go into it. Uh, so usually we need about a half hour to an hour to get everything, to get on site, park, get prepped, get generators running, get our electric uh, going, get things uh, cooking and, and start to get warm so that we can have everything fresh to go, get our POS system operated, operational so that we can have things up and running. So it's about half hour to an hour. Any event that we call events, any event, or a day on the weekend that's about four hours usually ends up being worth it. Um, that's where we try to ballpark is anywhere between three and six hours is kind of where we're busiest, depending on what's going on, depending on the, the weather is a huge real part of it too, which that's why the regulations like are great and that's awesome, but it could be snowy and rainy. It's not going to matter anyway. So you're not going <laughs> to get many people going. The four hour range is usually where I think that's where we're really starting to hit our stride. Uh, when it comes to a food truck, and it, it all depends on how many other food trucks are near us, or is it a specific food truck event? Is it something we're just out at a soccer tournament? It, it's There's all sorts of factors that go into it, which make it a really interesting uh, kind of research project each week, but uh, four hours is probably where we're at. Ashton Rotman is the owner of Rots Hots. Ashton, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. I've kind of changed my tune on food trucks. When they first came out, they made me nervous. I just kind of felt, I don't know, and my opinion was wrong, but I felt like... <laughs> It's a guy making food in a truck. Can that be safe? Should <laughs> All I be nervous? All the things you were told, don't take pe- things from yes. people out of the back of a truck or that sort yes, of thing. Yes, don't take food from strangers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but now, man, there's some great stuff out there. It's a great way to sample some foods yeah. that maybe you wouldn't try otherwise. And there is just a fun of street meat and street eats. It's fun. You're right. That's a good way to put it. It's kind of fun and different. It's a completely different vibe, obviously, than being in a restaurant. It's just fun. Yeah, and I think that the quality is there, typically, right? If you're specializing in those few things, you can really get it right. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of food trucks do. Like our guy Ashton. He said they do a handful of different things, but 
it's really good. Yeah, it's like the specialty. And one of the things that I can't tell you I would have tried otherwise is uh, Riley's Dogs. They were at a maker's market at Riley's Discovery dogs. World. What's and that? they have vegan dogs, and they have big old brats, and they have just a variety of different dogs. That And so I'm like, well, I'll try the vegan. Why not? And they have fantastic fries. But it's just like one of those, like if we were like, let's go to a yeah. restaurant or a bar, I'd be like, I don't know that I would try that. I'll just have the regular old chicken fingers. <laughs> if there was a Vienna beef truck, oh! I'd be on that. Give me some Vienna beef hot dog. That is the way to go with the sports peppers and the poppy seed bun. And Vienna beef is the real deal. You know, to your point, John, some of these brick and mortars are doing food trucks. Yeah. Like they've got both, mm-hmm. right? They'll bring their stuff to you. And I think Riley's has a brick and mortar down off Jefferson mm-hmm. in downtown Milwaukee near Cathedral Square. So now they're mobile. Yeah, yeah. because it's great that. advertising. If you manage to both, get them to sample and then come into Rolling the real billboard. restaurant. Yeah. The world can be a messy place. Yep. And we at Wisconsin's Afternoon News think it could do with a little more nice. 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 Oh, that's nice. Say something nice to me. This is Something Nice on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I got something nice, and it's about the Milwaukee Bucks. What you got? You know, three-pointers, they're important. Sure, yeah. They can do some good as well. You know the company ATC? They teamed up with the Bucks again for the seventh season to donate trees through the Trees for Threes program. Mm-hmm. Now it's springtime. It's time to plant a record number of trees. 612 three-pointers during the regular season means 612 trees. Oh, nice. Yeah, planted at nearly 120 Wisconsin schools. They register for the Trees for Threes program. And here's the cool thing is it's a way to encourage students to get excited about STEM. Mm -hmm. It's science. You get excited about forestry, and you're hands-on, that experiential learning. ATC's the power company, right? They're the uh, the transmission lines, Mm -hmm. the big towers, and okay. Yep, yep. And like I said, it's the seventh year they've been doing this, and tomorrow there'll be a tree-planting ceremony at Milwaukee College Prep, and these trees are going to get planted throughout these local schools, and uh, I just think that's a really creative way to connect with kids and the Bucks doing even more in this community that they're a part of. I love when different entities or parts of our society kind of form these little marriages or alliances. So it's the Bucks, it's ATC, a big successful company, and it's our schools and our local kids. And to marry that and to bring that all together is just a really cool thing. Yeah, and uh, through this initiative, more than 3,500 trees Whoa. have been planted to help no kidding. Wisconsin be greener. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love that. You think that's something I, nice? I need to apply next year. I need a couple <laughs> trees in my yard. Maybe I could. Yeah, peach tree, maybe. Yeah. Lemon tree. Yeah. I have a. I, I tried to plant a couple little trees last year, and they didn't make it, so I need some help. This is like homeschooling. You can invite some students over to plant the trees for you, get excited about stuff. My next door neighbor has four kids. Maybe we could team up. And, I think you could. Yeah, I love that. That's a great program. That indeed is something so nice. Way to go, Bug. Yeah. We got I'm all still looking for ways to cheer for the Bucks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm with you. It is 343 at WTMJ. We're going to remember fallen officers, and there have been too many of them in Wisconsin already this year. We're going to talk about that up next, and we're also going to discuss the average age of vehicles on American roads. I think you might be stunned at how old the average vehicle is on our roads. That's up next on WTMJ. Sandy fixed my computer, so I've been looking at this computer for the longest time. It had a little icon in the bottom right that told me what the temperature was and what the weather was, so I would rely on that when I read the weather, and then suddenly a couple of weeks ago it disappeared, 
And so I was lost. And Sandy, ba-boom, like a magician, you fixed my computer. You're my IT Point and click. High consultant. five. It's a little victories. Glad yeah, to help. It's a little victories for sure. Teammates. Hey, we're going to get to our friend Mike Dabuski with ABC News coming up here in a second with some information on the cars that are on our roads. But first, on this Peace Officers Memorial Day, we wanted to celebrate those that made the ultimate sacrifice or have been injured in the line of duty. And here in the state of Wisconsin, unfortunately, already in 2023, four officers have lost their lives. It's hard to believe it's only May. It really is unbelievable. I mean, it's such a dangerous job every single day. And I think when Officer Jerving first passed away earlier this year and the outpouring of support and love and solidarity, I think we thought, okay, we won't see this again for a while. And here we are in May with a total of four. It's been crazy. Uh, So let's start with Peter Jerving. He was killed in the line of duty on February 7th after chasing an armed robbery suspect with his partner. Peter Jerving's father speaking at his funeral about his son's love for everyone. Peter loved life. He loved his life. He loved your lives. He celebrated every day he had with you, his dear brothers and sisters. I know he would have wanted you to remember him that way. Milwaukee Police Chief Jeffrey Norman on why Peter Jerving was a hero. While there are many variations on the definition of a hero, one of our MPD members located the correct one. A hero is an ordinary person who faces extraordinary challenges with courage, honor, and self-sacrifice. I cannot think of a better example of courage, honor, and self-sacrifice than Officer Peter E. C. Jervey. Let's go to April 8th. It was a pretty rough day. Chatek Police Officer Emily Breidenbach was 32 years old. Cameron Police Officer Hunter Scheele, 23, in rural Barron, Wisconsin, shot and killed while conducting a traffic stop. This was a tragic story. Friend of Emily, Donna Bukowski, telling Steve Scafidi they had talked that very day about the beautiful weather. We stood there and talked, and she talked about what a beautiful day it was, and it was way too nice to be indoors writing reports as she's literally waving to people as they drive down the street. They'd honk at her. I I never in a million years thought a couple hours later I would never see or talk to her again. And then just on Saturday, May 6th, St. Croix County Sheriff's Deputy Katie Lysing was shot and killed after responding to a potential drunk driver in a ditch. St. Croix County Sheriff Scott Knudsen on how law enforcement are the line between good and evil. I asked Pastor Larry if I could call the guy a piece of shit. He said, probably not. <laughs> this is the good that's out there, and that's us. We are that line between the good and the evil. And that Katie Lysen case in particular, you know, it says to serve and protect very often on the side of a police car. She was trying to help someone get their car out of a ditch. She really was serving. So particularly heartbreaking in that situation. Unbelievably tragic. So on this Peace Officers Memorial Day, we salute all of you that wear the uniform. 800,000 law enforcement officers in the United States today. Each year, 163 of them lose their life in the line of duty. Four in Wisconsin already this year. So your, our thoughts are with you, with your families. Uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, I want to switch gears. I found this really fascinating. 
a little thing, a little blurb about the average age of cars on our roads, which really, really caught me off guard. I'm going to let Micah Dobuski from ABC News come in here and break the news to us. Uh, Mike, how old are those cars on average rolling around on the roads out there? On average, guys, 12 and a half years. That's how old wow. the average car on the United States roads are. Uh, and that's pretty old, but it also mirrors the trend that we've been seeing. It's actually three months older on average than the same figure last year. And this comes from a, a firm uh, that put out a report today called S&P Global. But, yeah, cars getting a little older. Analysts that I've talked to say it comes from a couple of different places the reason that people are holding on to their cars for longer one is inflation new cars are expensive for a lot of different reasons and inflation is part of that but also sort of lingering supply chain and coronavirus pandemic sort of uh, lingering trends, right? And during the pandemic, obviously, we saw a lot of shortages in new car supply. Automakers wanted to focus on larger luxury vehicles that have higher margins. Coming out of the pandemic, those prices haven't come down. So a lot of factors contributing to new cars and used cars being a little bit pricier. So that means that people are going to hang on to their cars for a little bit longer. Mike, how old is your car? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so get this, guys. I don't actually have a car. I have a bike. <laughs> so, a New Yorker. And my bike is from the 1980s, so it is wow. uh, not, not, not really comparable, I don't think. You're stretching your dollar. That's good. I drive a 2014. Yeah, I live in New York. I don't, yeah. need a, I don't really need a car to get around. So, so you drive a 2014. Um, I got hit by a drunk driver, and so the, our newest car in our family is a new car. Like, it's a 2023. But what I get at, Mike, is, you know, I'm always doing the math on these sort of things. If the average car is 12 and a half years old... And my car is one years old. That means theoretically for every me, there's somebody driving a car around that's more than 20 years old. You get the average. That's right. That's yeah, crazy. No, exactly. It, and you think about the, the advances in not just sort of driver comfort, uh, but also safety technology that has taken place in Good those point. past few years. You know, auto stop start systems, uh, in, you know, uh, systems that can break for you and keep you centered in your lane. Uh, you know, that's absolutely contributing uh, kind of to just not just, uh, you know, how comfortable people feel in their cars, but also how safe they are on the roads. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, while we have you on the phone, let me ask you about one other bit of auto news today, and that's a major recall from General Motors. Who's impacted by this? Right. So if you own a Chevy Traverse, a GMC Acadia or a Buick Enclave that uh, t- that was built before between 2014 and 2017, GM says they're recalling that vehicle. Uh, this affects nearly a million uh, of these sort of larger crossovers that GM put out in the mid 2010s. GM says it's going to get in contact with you to, to get their vehicle back and get it uh, repaired. And it all comes back to this little piece known as the airbag inflator uh, that they say could uh that's the sort of thing that you know allows the airbag to sort of pop out in the event of a crash they say that could create shrapnel in the vehicle in the event of a car crash and potentially cause injury um nitsa interestingly enough the national highway traffic safety administration putting some pressure on the supplier that makes that part saying they want that company to issue a recall for all the cars that have that airbag inflator some 67 million airbag inflators in total. They say that spans about 12 different brands uh, of, of automaker in the United States. So General Motors issuing this voluntary recall for a million cars today. This could potentially be a much bigger deal, though. Mike Dobuski, ABC News, New York. Thank you, Mike. Of course, guys. Take care. I wish I had a 2014 because you don't have a car payment. 
And car payments are so expensive. I'm going to hold on to this bad boy I'm driving now until the wheels fall off. You may not also have a backup camera, which is <laughs> one of those things that you'd... I feel like I'm lost without I that do too thing now. now. You to know Mike's what I mean? point, he raises a really good point about safety features. Even the airbag technology oh, it's is incredibly different, different now than if you're driving a car that's 12 and a half years old. I do have a CD player. <laughs> yeah. I miss that sometimes, <laughs> Largely actually. obsolete, yeah. I don't even have any CDs anymore. Well, now they're talking about getting rid of AM radio. I mean... It's crazy, the evolution. Yeah. Now, the only benefit I can really see, if you, if you have an older vehicle, I, you'll see like a like an old Mercury Cougar from like 1999. Like, why is that still on the road? I am convinced it's because you likely have collector plates on it, and you no longer need to worry about vehicle emissions testing, exactly. which is the bane of my existence. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. All right. We don't have time for that, but no. you're right. <laughs> this is like an only southeastern Wisconsin thing. Yeah. I just why? don't understand it. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, but if you're driving the 12-and-a-half-year-old or 14-and-a-half-year-old car, you don't have to go Yeah, or it. live anywhere else in the States. Yeah. It's a scale. I just don't get it. It is jarring, though, when there are cars that you remember, like, oh, drive, driving high school or, like, in your first job, and they have those blue and red collector's plates. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, right on. Oh, that's yeah. vintage now. Where did that go? <laughs>